0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. The Knicks are back, but clearly their brains were still on vacation. They lose 134 to 101 to the Milwaukee Bucks. And Gavin, we're going to cover this the actual game of this one as little as humanly possible because it made me want to rip my eyes out.
1: Yeah, we we will touch on a great RJ Barrett performance and and maybe maybe some of the big the big picture concerns this this loss pointed out. Uh, but then we'll, we'll we'll turn to a more fun topic. We will finish up our belatedly, I might add, our February mailbag questions eleven days into March, including a really fun one: which Knicks would we trust with our deepest darkest secrets? All that and more, right now on Locked On Knicks.
0: You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starch, without a five. Ewing for the red, yes! Hubs, hubs left, he now fires it. He's good, and he's fouled! Oh, and he's out! Anthony for three. Finally, that one goes down! Back up, off the glass, it's good! RJ Byrd! Becomes infectious. Becomes infectious. All right. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories? It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. I am Alex Wolf. I'm the editor in chief of Knicks blog, The Strickland, which you can find at the strict.land in your web browser. Joined as always by Gavin Shaw, play-by-play broadcaster by day, podcast host by night. I haven't called you in a minute. Pod Batman is on the on the pod today, and uh, Gavin, we have certainly a game to talk about. That's about- <laughs> you, you, no can't, you can't adjectives. argue that. I, I, I'd love to,
1: but you, you can't.
0: Yeah, I guess you can't. It's it's questionable whether it was even a game. It was like a shoot-around for the Bucks and. A nightmare for the Knicks. Uh, Again, the final score tonight was one thirty-four to one hundred one. The one bright spot, which we'll get to in a minute, would be RJ Barrett, twenty-two points, nine of fifteen shooting, five rebounds, two assists. Uh, Julius Randle had his worst game of the season. His only uh, single-digit scoring effort of the season: seven points, three of twelve field goals, uh, eight rebounds, six assists. You know, I, I did think he was still looking to dish decently enough, but man, he just got locked right up by Giannis and Brooke Lopez and whoever else was covering him down low. Um, And yeah, Alfred Payton was Alfred Payton, probably his worst game of the season, I I would say, which is a pretty good bar to clear. Alec Burch was pretty good off the bench, quickly was good to start and then, you know, went back into sort of chucking a little bit again. Which was not great, and all in all, just not a ton to write home about. Gavin, but did you before we get to RJ, who's like the starring attraction? Did you have anything else that really kind of caught your eye in this game?
1: I, I guess just big picture takeaways, because obviously the Knicks had won seven of their ten of their last ten going into the All Star break, and I, I was maybe I didn't talk about this enough on the pod because I, I sort of caught up in the optimism of it all. But in, in this week off, I've sort of been contemplating. All right, is that is that the real Knicks or were they just playing a really weak schedule? And tonight tonight was some some evidence for, for the latter of those two takes. Of course, we, we have to know the Knicks were uh, bereft of, of two starters no Mitchell Robinson I'm just going to call Derek Rose a starter because clearly they're much better with him in the lineup than they are with Alfred Payton and that was never more evident than tonight where Julius it, it felt a lot like a regression to last season where he he would just really really falter against lack of spacing and, and double teams and and I mean obviously he didn't have a good game but I thought part of it was just with, with no Rose out there and with Elf Back in the starting lineup, I mean, obviously you have Orleans, but you lose a little bit of like a vertical threat without Mitch, and and, and a defense is long and as physical as Milwaukee, and and it was I thought it was interesting that the Bucks, it, it almost seemed like they used the Giannis strategy of building a wall against Julius Randle. Like every time he took it in, there were two, three uh, green jerseys all around him, and usually one of them was Giannis, which which is like two defenders in and of itself. So I think I think Julius kind of had probably some some very traumatic. Flashbacks to the days of of David Fisdale where where the court was just completely completely shrunk around him, and uh, maybe maybe being a little bit out of rhythm after after a few days off, having to fly to Atlanta, then probably go home for a little bit, then come back. It, it all it all kind of tracks that he would have a bad performance. But I'm curious your opinion, Alex, of whether this this indicates anything about the Knicks, or, or was it just a bad night with them missing two starters? It was, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah,
0: I I mean. You also have to consider too that the Bucks, you know, they've they've struggled some on defense this year, but this is probably, you know, a top five or so defense in the NBA most of the time. Last year I, I believe they led the league in team defense by most measures. Oh yeah, um, they were they year. were
1: far and away number one in the regular. Yeah,
0: this year not so much, but they're still, you know, in the vicinity. And it, it's funny I did um I did Locked On Today. Go go listen and download to Locked On Today. Did a, a quick little segment on there about this game. I don't know I don't know why he picked today of all days, but talked to Peter Bukowski over there and he's he's the locked on Packers guy. And uh so naturally, you know, he's he's like a um, you know, Wisconsin sports guy, it seems like, and so he follows the Bucks as well and he was like, Yeah, this is this is about as good as the Bucks defense has looked this entire year. In this game, uh so you know, I wouldn't, because we were talking about you know big pictures. This troublesome for the Knicks that like they came out of the All Star break, you know, game over five hundred, and then just got stomped like this. And he was like, in some ways, it seemed like that's the direction that he thought maybe it, the convo would go. But to me, when we were talking, I was just like, oh well, you know, to me this this kind of seems like Milwaukee just came out and put forth maybe one of their best defensive efforts of the whole season, and the Knicks sort of didn't. <laughs> you know, the Knicks just did not look super involved in this game. I don't know. They came out super flat. To your point, the spacing was awful, but I also think the Giannis was just kind of on a warpath against Randall and really made his life living hell, uh, which isn't going to happen every night. Um, and Randall still had his moments. You know, he hit a, he hit a pull-up three on Giannis in the first half that was pretty, you know, randall-esque you know of his good play so far this season and you know he hit a couple of fallaways in the the second half you know that were sort of his normal bread and butter shots so i i think he was just getting really bothered by you know the two-time reigning mvp tonight and defensive player of the year so i mean <laughs> you know it's not exactly the easiest matchup in the world that he had to face tonight I'm not reading too much into it. You know, get back to me in like three games. If they drop like three games in a row coming out of the All-Star break, then maybe we have something to talk about. Um, but just based off of this game, I'm not I'm not really panicking or running for the hills or anything yet. And, you know, I think it would be more worrisome as if on the in the game on Saturday against the Thunder, if they come out and play the same way they played the Thunder the first time where they just look totally dead in the water and, and get blown out again then maybe I'll say, all right, what's, what's going on? What's, what's the haps here? Like with this second half, you know, mini slump that we're already in, uh, then, then I might, you know, panic a little bit, but for right now, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I think it was just a bad night all around for the Knicks other than RJ Barrett. Yeah. So why don't,
1: why don't, why don't we get into, into RJ Barrett? Um, He had in, in the first quarter, maybe my single favorite play from him all season. I think Drew Holiday was guarding him. It might've been Chris Middleton, but he gets the ball. Um, sort of backs up to the perimeter, does like a little like fake step back, and this is is I've I've, I've tried to master this move in, in my game, and I don't have ne- nearly the skill or athleticism to pull it off. But like kind of like like when you do like a step back and head fake while keeping your dribble, and, and that's a that's a tough thing to sell when when the step back three isn't a part of your game. And RJ, I mean, you could count on one hand the number of step back threes he's even attempted this year. Um, but he, he got whether it's Middleton or Holiday, a really good defender to bite. Burst to the rim, yams on Brooke Lopez. And it I was interesting because I was thinking of of a, of a very good Strickland article I read last week written by our, our guy Prez, where he was talking about how RJ's, um, he, he's not necessarily athletic enough to the point, despite being like a forceful finisher in transition, where he's a guy who consistently gets dunks in the half court. And that's an area as he like grows in his early 20s. like I'd like to see him continue to have like more and more and more pop in the half court. And when you look when you look for a star player, you look for a guy who can get those easy buckets a couple of times per game, and will just flash that vertical athleticism out of nowhere. And that was kind of my hesitation with RJ coming out of Duke. I was like, all right, this is a guy whose whole game is built around getting to the rim, but he clearly like he, he's a few tiers below like that freakish like Zion, Giannis level, like just jump in someone's face and dunk it on on them, and even maybe a level below of Jimmy Butler, who's not doing that constantly like those top tier guys. But he's getting like, especially like in his twenties, he, he was getting a couple of those dunks um, every game or every few games. So it's nice to see RJ over the last few weeks. I, I think athletically, this is, this is the best he's looked all season. He's playing with a lot of pop. And, and then, as you know, Alex started mixing in the full the full birth of his game uh, later in the first half and throughout the second, hitting threes, writing down floaters, get, getting the little pull up pop from the elbow, going like snake dribble to get to the rim and lay it in. It, it was a really really good night against a really good defense. And with RJ, obviously, as those games where he steps up, but I know I was talking about it a little bit with Jack. I'm like, all right, how does this translate to the playoffs? How does this translate against the best defenses in the league? Obviously, the Bucs were were paying a lot of attention to Randall, so that opened some stuff up for him. But I I thought this was a really good sign against a really great defense.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this could literally be, if things mostly hold serve for the rest of the year, this could literally be the team that the Knicks might be facing in the first round if they make the playoffs. Um, so, you know, to see that RJ can, can hang against a really good defense like that is important. And, you know, to your point too, I, I agree on, on a lot of the scoring. I don't feel like I have to hammer that too much more, but he came out playmaking too, a little bit. You know, he threw a really nice lob to Nerlands, uh, early in the game that I thought was, I, I thought was, you know, one of his signature sort of plays that he would run with Mitch. So it's nice to see those two sort of developing a little bit of chemistry. I wish they would go to that more often, particularly in a game like this, where Randall didn't really have it and Alfred really didn't have it. Um, You know, he just, he was bad. Uh, You know, it it would have been nice to see a little bit more RJ Noel pick and roll or even get him out there with Taj. who sets sort of the, the harder screens and, you know, isn't necessarily a lob threat, but kind of gets his butt in the guys more down low and more importantly, has hands to catch the ball. Um, And, you know, make some sort of play with it. That might have been a good play to sort of hammer in this game. And they they didn't quite do that. So RJ only wound up with the two assists for the game. But I thought realistically, if they, you know, would have kept going to some of those pick and rolls and stuff with him, which weirdly always seemed to happen right at the beginning of the game and then never thereafter. I don't know if it's like Tibbs just hammers that home that we need to start the game with this. And then it just kind of fades away as the game goes along as far as getting RJ involved as a playmaker. But, you know, RJ with center X, it just seems to be money. You know, that it just seems like a really good combo and he has really good instincts in running the pick and roll. So maybe something that we can see going forward. Who knows? Uh, but Gavin, I think this is a perfect opportunity. You know, we've been a little little too Julius Randle-centric when we've been naming our Michelob Ultra Players of the Week. and you know, I think now is the is the time here uh, to crown R.J. Barrett as our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for this week. You know, he has been awesome, not just in this particular game, but in, you know, the games leading up to this. Uh, Pat O'Keefe, a, a guest that we had had on the show, tweeted during the game, bright spot on an otherwise tough night for the Knicks. R.J. Barrett over his last five games is averaging 20.6 points per game. While shooting 58% and 56% from three, he is up to 16.7 points per game on the season. You know, considering there was no games this week up until right now, this is kind of all we had to go off of too. But we'll say that this is sort of a, a last two weeks award for RJ Barrett this week. And you know, RJ, it's clear that he's having a lot of fun out there right now. I think the game is coming easy to him. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it, as our friends at Michelob might say. And there's really not a lot of, not a lot of empty parts to RJ's game. Not a lot of empty calories going on there. And that's just like Michelob Ultra too. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories uh, per bottle of Michelob Ultra. On top of it, you know, RJ's just playing with a lot of joy. And as we know, joy creates success. And enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game. You know, and clearly RJ's having fun with it out there. That's very important. You know, just like when you're choosing your favorite beer for a good night, like Michelob Ultra, RJ Barrett's got to go out there with a smile on his face and you know, be enjoying the game and not overthinking it. And that's, I think, been pretty key to his development and to his recent hot stretch of play. Um, Just the happiness and enjoyment that he's taking out of the game. So are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? That is the important question here. I would say that RJ right now is winning because he's happy, not so much only happy because he wins. So, once again, RJ Barrett, congrats, buddy. You are our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for this week.
1: And, Alex, I want to tell people about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. That's the dirty secret. It's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we told you where to bet, but we, we haven't told you how to bet. And if you want to win some money, there's a certain place you should go to get some advice. Betting on the Knicks doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex. Let's get back into it. Uh, did you have any any concluding thoughts on this game? Do you do you want to go in depth? Do you want to go rapid fire? I, I got a chance to do the MSG one hundred and fifty. I could give you a shot at it. It, it. It's up to you.
0: My concluding thought on this game is that I'd like to forget it ever happened. Sure. <laughs> so if you want to go MSG one hundred and fifty, yeah, dude, I, I, I'm, I'm digging.
1: I like the challenge. I like the challenge. Do you
0: want me to time you?
1: Yeah, please do. All
0: right, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on the clock. All right, start in three, two, one.
1: All right, we already talked about Julius Randle. Reggie Bullock, he he sucked. I mean, he hit his first three. It wasn't really anything more to say in the night. New Noel, really quiet. Uh, I, I remember he had a nice play, but then he he like he caught the ball and then he just immediately threw it away. And it, it summed up everything about this game. Alfred Payton, I'm with you. Probably his worst game of the season, despite like the this sort of decent counting stats. Um, I, I did you see the stat that this this might push me over time, but the stat that uh Schwinney tweeted out tonight, it was just insane. Um He's played something like 980 minutes this year with R.J. Barrett and only assisted him 18 times in those minutes. That is absolutely wild. I I feel like you would get a higher number even if you weren't trying to. Um, and, And tonight there were multiple examples of him just blatantly looking R.J. off Wide open from three. Wide open under the rim. I don't know what RJ did to Alfred Payton, but I hope they patch it up because it's bad as long as Elf is still in the Knicks. Obi Toppin, four for five. Uh, I loved his activity on the boards. Bunch of offensive rebounds, Piled up points late because uh, Diakite, I might be pronouncing his name wrong, former Virginia center, uh, had a bunch of goaltendings. Hit a three. A solid game for Obi Toppin. Made some mistakes, but I, I thought he was pretty good. I, I wish IQ was a little bit more aggressive attacking the pick and roll. They had a position to work that together. And as representative of the night for IQ, where he scored 15 points, but I, I don't think he had a particularly good game, both from the floor in terms of his decision-making, shooting the basketball, and missing three free throws, which he only missed six in his first 100. Final note, Alec Burks kept the Knicks afloat in this one. Taj Gibson, also solid. Frank Ntilikina, good defense, bad shooting. That's it for me.
0: Wow, that was really—you didn't even come close to 150. Oh, really? You got 90 seconds, man. Oh that was great. boy.
1: Oh, well, I could—I yeah. could have I gone deeper. All right, all right. We'll save it. I'll, I'll save the 60 seconds for next time. We'll call that the LOK 90. Yeah, instead there we go. Of the MSG there we go. Beautiful. <laughs> I was—I was like, I thought I was going over. <laughs> like, I'm going way. Yeah, no,
0: yeah. You you crushed it, man. That was that was a minute and a half. We should just work that brevity into our bosses would never yell at us for having (laughs) shows that are too long.
1: You you sacrifice so much nuance. I don't know. I don't know. I guess. I guess
0: you, yeah, you sacrifice the talking through it and just get the takes out there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's it's boiled down.
0: Well, I think it's time to get into the mailbag questions because, as I said, I got nothing left on that game. Yeah, I'm fine with your summation there. That stat, I agree on Elf, disgusting and reason number one why he needs to be gone. Uh, but we'll get into these final February mailbag questions. We took these what wasn't it like February twenty fourth or something? Yeah, yeah,
1: it was about that we put out solicitation. Yep.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's not too bad considering it's a twenty eight day month that it took us a little bit. We should just ask honestly. What's going to happen is we're going to get done with this, and then like two days from now we're going to be like, all right, March mailbag time, <laughs> and that'll give us something to work on until April. But. All right, our first. Wait, of wait, our Alex. Final- can, I,
1: can I propose something? I, I really, Sorry. I think the Futternick question is is a segment unto itself. Maybe we maybe we do the other two now and then save that for the third.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm down with that. All right, so let's do. Uh, first question comes from Colin Loring. Uh, shouts to Colin, a, a, a tweeter for the Strickland and a writer for the Strickland at Cologne Loring on Twitter. This is uh this going to be a difficult question, Gavin. Uh, Start one, bench one, hire one to replace Tom Thibodeau as head coach. Alfred Payton, Emmanuel, Mou- <laughs> Emmanuel Moutier, Dennis Smith Jr. You know what's funny? I started saying Emmanuel, and then I almost went quickly because <laughs> I'm so used to that being the Emmanuel on the team now. Emmanuel Moutier, Dennis Smith Jr. What do you think?
1: Oh, this is... As much as you didn't want to talk about the game, I feel I feel gross <laughs> answering this question. All right, it's to it's to replace Tom Thibodeau. Mm. Yeah, I, well,
0: you get to start one, bench one, and hire one. is, Wonder it, who is out of the league now, right?
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah, I mean, is it that crazy? I mean, think like
1: kind it, of okay. The, he
0: had, is it going to be crazy when we look two years from now and Elf's not in the league anymore either?
1: DSJ is not in the league. Yeah, I, yeah. DSJ's not in the league either. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, I think I'm probably making Elf the head coach because I, I do think obviously passing the ball, he doesn't have very good instincts and in shooting. I, I, I'm talking myself out of it now. <laughs> but, um, I think, uh, I think he's clearly the the best basketball player overall of the three, and for whatever reason, he's clearly very trusted. By coaches and even some good ones like like Mike Miller and uh, Tom Thibodeau, so I, I think maybe he'd bring some of what Tibbs brings to the table, and uh, he has he has that quote unquote dog mentality occasionally on defense, like the every other possession when he's locked in. So I think I think you're at least gonna you're gonna have like a distinct like attitude as a team with Alfred Payton as, as your coach. Um and then I think um sorry you're you're benching one and then oh you're starting one benching one hiring one to replace Tom Thibodeau Ooh, okay I might do I, do I actually want to start Peyton this 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 is the hardest question we've ever gotten all right yeah, I think right. I'm <laughs> I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse that I'm starting Peyton I'm making Moody the head coach and I'm um, I'm benching Dennis Smith Jr I think
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with your original line of thought and say I think I would have Peyton be the head coach. Honestly, and I don't mean to crap on all three of these guys, but we're talking about probably three of the lowest IQ players that the Knicks have had in the last like long time. Uh, they they were just not very good at reading opposing teams and stuff like that. I think Elf maybe does the best job of that. Uh, but it's really, it's a, it's an extremely low bar between the three of them. Uh, I guess then I would start DSJ. I, you know, people that go back and listen to old episodes would probably know that I was, I was like fully still thinking that DSJ could figure it out right up until like this season. Um, so I guess I would start DSJ and hope that the potential comes around. I mean, we have seen on Detroit, there's at least some basketball player in him still um even if it, i still don't think he's going to be that good uh at this point and then mudier yeah i mean we just said it movie is out of the league at this point he's only like 26 years old i think or something like that if that uh, he was because he was drafted the year porzingis was drafted so he he can't be older than like 20 26 i would think because if he came to i think he was 20 when he came to the league. Cause he was like old for his high school class. So yeah, he's gotta be like 26 years old. Are you out of the NBA? I, I don't have any more faith in him now than I did when he was on the Knicks <laughs> to do that much good stuff. I feel like DSJ at his best was better than Moody at his best other than Moody's like one dunk to win the game against Memphis or to like, That was like the dagger against Memphis. That was David Fisdale's revenge game that we all got to feel good about for like a week. Um, I don't think that he did too much good in his time with the Knicks. So I, I guess out of this illustrious group, he's the one that I'm benching out of these ones. Um, but let's move on from this because this is a horrible is question.
1: For, the, Colin, Colin, you're, you're fired asked us to torture
0: us. <laughs> yeah, Colin's fired now. I, I, I feel uh, dirty. I, just, I don't feel good about
1: myself after. Yeah, that. it's
0: over. That was that was a horrible question. Um, <laughs> uh, this this comes from NYK freshman at NYK freshman on Twitter. Is the East bad or just very very interesting this year? Um, I would. I would say very interesting. I don't, I don't know that the East is any worse than it's ever been. I think that there's, there's more parody outside of the top three spots, as was evidenced by the fact that like the Knicks at one point in recent memory were sitting at 500 and were the four seed, um, you know, so there's a lot going on as far as the, the four to, you know, 12-ish range in the conference, which is kind of crazy. So, you know, basically eight spots open out of not eight totally available uh, because you're only going to have the top 10 are going to make it in. So I I think, yeah, I, I think that the East is, I guess, not as top heavy in the sense that the top you know, five teams are usually in a different class in the East. And then, like, I guess you could argue like six through six through the the bottom. You know, there's varying levels of whatever, you know, like the usually the three seed rolls over the six seed in the East and the two seed and the one seed roll. And I guess you could say that's the case in both conferences because that's why seedings exist. But I, I think that this year there's there's more parity between four through you know, like 12 and, and that's just sort of what we're seeing play out. And these teams play each other a lot because they're in conference, particularly this year. You know, I think there's more. uh, No, there's not more in conference. There's actually less in conference play technically this year compared to previous years, but I don't know. I maybe, maybe that actually is part of an explainer for it, that East teams are playing the East less and are still playing the West the same amount. And so maybe that's leading to lower records for the East this year. I don't know entirely how to explain it. I guess it would require a lot of data and research that I don't feel like getting into. But my gut feeling is, I don't think the East is really any worse this year than it normally is. I think that we're just kind of seeing this thing where a few teams are rising, like the Knicks and the Hornets, and you know, not too many teams are falling. So as far as talent levels, so it's just kind of creating this like this very competitive four to twelve range in the in the conference this year.
1: Yeah, I think the the one thing I will say about the East, when was the last time the East had a team as talented as Brooklyn? I, I would say the twelve thirteen Heat were, were probably the closest example, but I mean you can you can make a case that the actual answer is like the nineties Bulls. Like, yeah, I I don't I don't know. Like, what, was there another team with with three players as good as Kyrie, Katie, and Harden? I mean, you can even argue that the Bulls didn't have that. You could you could argue like no team in recent NBA history has had three offensive talents like that
0: so I mean I think I think that it, it gets forgotten a little bit but like Bosch really took a back seat in Miami he like, was
1: good but those those three guys I mean like Bosch is, is not on I mean o- offensively like as a two-way guy I, I agree and like that's why you can make the case that overall they're just as good but but Wade was already like he he kind of like was still in his like apex the first year there and then by his second year like he like his knee was kinda of messed up. He was like in and out. He he was he was like tailing off a little bit. Obviously you take that version of LeBron over anyone on on Brooklyn, but Harden and K D and Kyrie together. That's that's no joke. And 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 they have like a lot of ancillary talent. So I, I think I think just having Brooklyn does a lot. Like if you're just if you're just talking about this Eastern Conference as a whole. Relative to past ones, I think Philly is really, really good, and there were there were years in the past few years where they maybe would have been the heavy favorite. Like even, even last year, I think if Philly had this team, I would have I would have banked on them being able to beat Miami and and maybe get through the East. Obviously, you, you still want to see it in the playoffs with with Ben Simmons and Embiid. But Brooklyn's or Philly's really good. We saw it firsthand tonight. Milwaukee, even though they they, they get a lot of crap and it's it's well deserved until they prove people wrong in the playoffs. They're still really, really good. Giannis is still very, very good. You see, you have to figure him out on a night-to-night basis. I think Miami by the end of the year is going to be an issue for a lot of teams. I think Boston, if, if they get one more guy in there, they're going to be really good if Kemba's healthy and rolling. Charlotte's kind of sneaky, very talented offensive team. Toronto just lost their third straight, obviously fell back a little bit. Indiana's been missing TJ Warren and now Karis LeVert essentially the entire season. Um, so they still have some latent upside. I actually think this is a pretty good Eastern Conference, and, and I think the parity is mostly the result of, of COVID, both in terms of like guys missing games, extra injuries, and also for teams like the Heat just having to having that extremely short turnaround off the playoffs. So I would I would actually make the case that this is a very good Eastern Conference by Eastern Conference standards. I mean, if, if you remember Alex, like for. For years and years and years, like there, there was no comparison between the East and West. And maybe some people would still make that case. I know our boss David Locke. Um, I think he sent a message to the group at one point asking, "Are there five teams in the West better than anyone in the East?" That was before Brooklyn really went on their run. Um, so I, I'm sure he'd have a different answer today. But I, I actually think the East is 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 pretty good and fairly underrated.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I mean, like if I if, if it came across like I was crapping on the East, I, I actually think the East is pretty good this year. Um, and I think that they're, they're a work in progress, you know, overall, but I think the East is rising right now. Like, I think there's a lot of, a lot of talent in the East and a lot of teams that are kind of clawing their way up from the basement, uh, into potential playoff contention. The Knicks being one of them, Charlotte being another, um, and like Atlanta, which, you know, previously had never been, you know, in that. Playoff conversation despite having presumably the talent to do so the last couple of years. Chicago's sort of on their way up, but then you also have all the the you know incumbent teams that aren't really seeding their positions either. Uh, in Boston, Miami, um, Toronto is still playing pretty well. Indy, as you said, has been kind of struck by injuries and and should be bouncing back a little bit. So there's uh there's still, you know, definitely some upside to some of the teams that are currently outside looking in as far as the playoffs are concerned. And then I think all the teams that have inserted themselves in the playoff conversation after a half year, are pretty legit as well. So lots to look forward to there. Another thing people can look forward to potentially is working on their car. Oh, look at that. Uh, and this is the part of the show where I remind you that today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. You know, if you haven't heard me, uh, Sing the praises of RockAuto.com yet? Here I go again. It is the easiest place to find parts for your car, or truck, and the least expensive place to do so. I'm sure that if you've ever had to do something on your car, you've gone to the you know brick and mortar auto parts store. You've gone through the the lines of questioning. You've gone through the the high price tag, the sticker shock that you get when they tell you how much things are going to cost, and then the fact that they don't have it on hand there, that you're going to have to wait three, four days for it to show up. Then drive back to the store, pick it up, then bring it home and then set aside time again, you know, to do your car repair project that you didn't think you'd have to do. You know, you thought you'd be able to hopefully do it that day that you wanted to. But that's all different with rockauto.com. Everything is super easy to get to in there. Nobody asks any questions you don't feel like answering. You know, they are there for you if you decide that you need help. Their customer service is fantastic. Family run business that's been doing this for over 20 years. And they're going to give you the bottom dollar price on your car parts as well once you find it in their easy to use system. Uh, So if you want to check out rockauto.com and see what they have available for your car or truck today, head to that URL again, rockauto.com. And if you decide to pick up a part for your car or truck, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we're back to tackle the final couple of February mailbag questions. Again, here in March, it's what we do. Uh, but just a reminder, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, how much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Subscribe today and follow locked on NBA draft. Certainly a good thing worth looking at, uh, considering that the Knicks are going to have two picks in this draft. So Gavin, we're getting to our last two questions finally of this, this very robust mailbag again. Thank you everyone so much again for asking so many good questions. I mean, I swear we put out these solicitations and we get like, 20 questions in like 10 minutes and then have enough content for a month. So thank you guys, as always, for being such devout listeners and everything. Uh, this question comes to us from Knicks Fan Patrol at KnicksPatrol. Uh, and this question says, Do you think disgruntled fans on Twitter can have an effect on signing free agents and player trade stock? The preseason Randall hate is one example, and we see it with Alfred Payton now. If you don't think players pay attention to this, I'd ask you to look at Katie's burners and where Katie is now. Uh, Knicks fans have a right to be disgruntled at times, but sometimes I feel they do tank a player's stock, essentially killing their desires to have the player move. Um, Gavin, I, I think my answer to this, I mean, not to poo poo it, but, well, all right. There's, so there's two facets to this question, right? Does it affect players' trade value? And does it affect the player's willingness to come to New York? I can't say anything definitively on the second part. But as far as trade value, I think it's absolutely not. It doesn't. It, GMs, you know, Brock Oller or counterparts like him, you know, Leon Rose or any other GM or president of basketball operations in the league. They're not scrolling through Twitter looking for opinions of Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf and, you know, Knicks fan patrol and other accounts out there and seeing what they think and then letting that inform their decisions on what moves they're going to make. You know, every NBA team has, uh, you know, presumably the Knicks were always considered to be sort of behind on this, but most NBA teams have a staff of, you know, 20 people uh, roughly that are in their, you know, amateur and pro scouting departments that are trying to figure out who to sign, who to draft, who to trade for. And that's the information that they're using. They don't care what people say on Twitter. So as far as trade value, I say absolutely not. As far as willingness for players to come to New York in free agency, maybe, I guess, but I feel like I feel like in like Durant's case, for example, most fans were clamoring for that. So they were begging Durant to come to New York. <laughs> uh so I, I wouldn't I don't really think that there were too many people. I, of course, there are probably some contrarians out there going hard line against the idea of getting Durant, but most fans were saying, please, KD, come here, save us. I don't think that really was turning him off. Uh, I think the fact that he tore his Achilles and lost the power dynamic of his relationship with Kyrie Irving was ultimately what kind of did that um, and and had him sign with the Nets. So I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe if it's like... Uh, if it was prime, Paul Pierce became a free agent and Twitter was a big thing at that time. And he went on Twitter and searched his name and saw millions of Knicks fans cursing his name and calling him a bum and you know saying that he sucks and whatever else. Maybe then Paul Pierce would be like, nah, screw that. I'm never going to play for the Knicks. Uh, but other than guys like that, that are players that would play for teams that Knicks fans hate so much that they would draw that kind of vitriol. I can't really think of, that being a reason that players wouldn't sign New York either.
1: Yeah, I'm in, I'm in total agreement. I also just, I think the whole like negative Knicks fan thing, like obviously to some extent, especially um, during the, the worst of the last 20 years, that, that is a real phenomenon, but I wouldn't say it's, it's necessarily unique amongst fan bases. Like any, any team that struggled over a long period of time, you're, you're going to get some of that. And I would, I, I would I would argue I, I think I've been more intact with um, with Nick's fans in the last like three four years doing this podcast and like r- running our Twitter like I, I think I, I get a pretty good scope of the full spectrum and I would argue in general they're they're disproportionately positive and and they're they're really like pro the team and they, they want to see the best in every move that the team makes and they get clowned by national media for it. But I actually like I, I was in, I think, a little bit of a bubble growing up where I was like as an individual kind of like a, a little bit of like a self-hating Knicks fan where I would I would always like go towards self-deprecation because it was just it, it was it was my way of coping. Everyone has their own way. But I think in general, uh, Knicks fans are are an extremely resilient bunch given everything they've gone through, especially for the ones my age who haven't seen any sustained success throughout the entirety of their fandom and And even even if they weren't, even if they were uniquely bad to your point, I, I just don't think players make decisions off the fans. I I think they might make decisions off the same thing the fans are reacting to, which is years of mismanagement, years of bad ownership, uh, not having the right coach, not having the right roster. Uh, That's what a player is looking at, but he's not looking at the fans. And and if the first thing wasn't an issue, the the second thing with the fans reacting to it wouldn't be a thing, and the player wouldn't care in the first place. So I I think it's I think it's kind of a non-issue.
0: Yeah, my I guess my last thing it kind of goes goes more towards something else you said, and less towards the actual question itself would be. I think Knicks fans, too, maybe it's just the 20 years of futility, but I think the Knicks fans have grown to take humor in it when the team's bad and not let it get to them. And essentially, that's made a lot of Knicks fans kind of Teflon coated at this point. I mean, I would say that Knicks fans, by and large, myself included, I get I get pissy at certain stuff. Get mad when you know you you noted that the national media just goes out of their way to go after Knicks and particularly Knicks fans. I, I they direct it literally right at the fans. It's not even like they're saying, "Hey, Jim Dolan sucks." Every time they go, "Ha ha, Knicks fans suck," and we're happy that they're miserable. And it's like you go, "Wow, that seems uncalled for." So people get mad about that sort of stuff. But as far as the team losing or whatever, I think Knicks fans in the really bad years have gotten good about having a laugh about it and stuff. And there's other fan bases around the league that you see just can't handle losing. Like the Lakers fan base, for example, was a miserable bunch when they were bad for those number of years. And they, they were not able to find any fun in it. And it became really impossible to try to talk to anybody that was a Lakers fan during that time period. Or like, I don't know. I noticed whenever the Knicks played the Kings, like Kings fans, very, very, very angry bunch over there. Uh, not a lot of them are, have uh, much room for humor when it comes to the game of basketball, I guess. So I, I'm I'm thankful that we cover a team that uh that has fans like that that can that have the ability to not take themselves seriously. And you know maybe this is a perfect segue into our final question, Gavin, <laughs> which yeah <laughs> comes from comes from one of our faves uh, from all the way over in sunny California. Uh, actor David Futternick at David Futternick on on Twitter and uh, you know you want to talk about a silly silly Knicks fan check him out he posts some very funny original memes and weird photoshops and stuff so check out Futternick for sure and he asks for our our final cherry on top for this February mailbag going halfway into March who on the current team would you trust with your darkest secrets Gavin I will throw that to you
1: Wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is another one. I always say this with mailbag questions. I wish I'd, I wish I'd done some prep into it, but I'm, I'm just gonna kind of go. Up oh, wait. And I'm down sorry. There. How
0: would you prep? How would you prep for that? I just,
1: I just want to like, I want to look into guys' souls. I want to go through like years of character <laughs> reports and like interviews. I want to take like an ayahuasca trip with each player on the team. There, there's, there's a number. There's a full process, Alex. But um, okay. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna go guy by guy. Um, R.J. Barrett. Yes. Yes, I would. I feel like RJ is just like a rock solid f- friend. Like he, hes the guy in in all of his friends' life who's like always been the most popular, always been the most successful in his group. But yet, like always, always down to stand up for like like the bully, maybe the bullied guy in his group, the nerdiest guy in the group, the worst guy on the basketball team. He—he he just strikes me as being like that dude, someone who's who's always been so so good and known it. But instead of becoming like a cocky like jerk from that. He he, he kind of uses that superpower for good and says I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of spread the love to everyone else. That's I obviously don't know RJ Barrett, but that's that's just my takeaway from watching him for two years. Uh, Iggy Brazdakis, I, I just I, I, Alex, let, let me let me know what you think. I just feel like he's a wild card. Like I I just he he might be great. He might not. He might not be great. At keeping a deep dark secret.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't totally know. I would lean towards probably yes he would, uh, but. It's. I mean, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a blabber to me.
1: I guess would be the thing. That's it fair. seems like he would he would respect your wishes. I, I. All right, I'm I'm with you. All right, Iggy Iggy, maybe just maybe he's right on the line. We'll see how many people we get. Reggie Bullock, uh, the the only guy on the team I've I've ever substantially interacted with. Great dude, super nice guy. Reggie Bullock, maybe more than anyone in the team, I would 100 percent trust with a secret. Alec Burks, no, nothing against him. I just don't know him well enough. Taj, rock solid. Yes, absolutely. Jared Harper, um, I I think just just based on how clutch he is like going back to college, he just has a sense for the big moment. I feel like he would be he would be a clutch friend as well, and he would he would he would sort of take your secret and say, you know what, I know this means a lot to you. I step up in regards to important things. I'm, I'm going to maintain that secret. Kevin Knox, a- Alex, I'm going to I'm going to throw this back to you. I I really I just I don't have a great gauge.
0: Hmm, I Knox seems like a solid dude. Um, I think this is didn't actually this like to... your
1: deepest. Maybe I, I maybe I'm being a little too generous. This is like your deepest, darkest secret. It's not like, yeah, I'd be, I'd get a beer with him. This is like, yeah, like my, my my. Life so
0: for... my big, my big worry with Knox would be, dude plays video games all the time, and like, you know, there's a lot of like just random talk that you do when you're on games with your friends or whatever. So I would worry that Knox would be on with one of his buddies playing, you know, Fortnite or whatever and be like, "Oh yeah, guess what guess what this guy Alex told me, like blah blah blah, just for something to talk about in between, you know, while they're in the lobby or whatever." So, yeah, something something about that that video gaming time. Yeah, well we, we we do have a very recent
1: thing. example of it going very wrong with an NBA player talking while playing video games recently.
0: There you go. Yeah, that scumbag. Yeah. Um Oh, that seemed a little more deliberate. Yeah, there. yeah,
1: that's a little, <laughs> little more egregious.
0: Yeah, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you're looking for something to fill the space, and you fill it with a, you know, a, someone's deep, dark secret. Other times, you
1: fill it with a slur. You know, whatever. I,
0: you got to do what you got to do to <laughs> yeah, you space gotta, you while just, you're broadcasting.
1: So some people, not not everyone's a natural podcaster. You got to just throw stuff in to make conversation. All right, <laughs> yeah. um, no. It was horrible to be clear. Um, Nolan Snowell. Uh, I'll again. I'll send it to you. I just. I. I feel like again. I would throw him in the category if I just. I. I need. I need more data. There's just. There's information missing there.
0: Yeah, I got no read on him. And honestly, I think. I think there's only maybe three guys on this that I would reasonably say that I. I feel like I know well enough, and could make a determination that I would tell them secrets. All right, like yeah. there are certain guys I can rule out, like Rivers don't know enough rose i get the feeling he would not
1: um, i would not tell derrick rose my deepest darkest secret
0: yeah like taj just I, pr- probably he would probably keep your secrets yeah i he's a pro's pro he's he's an old dude uh Obi Toppin, top old soul but you know i don't know for, i don't know him for sure enough like that nerland's definitely don't either um elf i would not just because i don't like him as much um although that's no the thing well, is no I'll alex the he person. would never
1: pass it on to anyone else
0: oh hey that's a good way to put that all right never mind elf maybe i would <laughs> um, if, you, if
1: you give him something he's keeping it forever
0: i would say one guy i would for sure not tell my secrets to is mitchell robinson i feel like he would for sure black dude he
1: would he would start a live stream as you were telling it would be like the dlo uh snapchat thing
0: yeah he would like make he would make a joke out of it he would definitely kind of screw with you a little yep. bit like that I love Mitch though I think, but he's a class clown. Like he would definitely screw with you over that. Um, so I I probably would not tell him my deepest darkest secrets. I think my top three are R.J. Randall and Frank.
1: Yeah, you're my top yeah, that's, three guys. I'm with you. That's I'm, no doubt. And maybe Taj is the only one who has a case. Like maybe over Frank, just because he's a little older, a little more mature. But you know what? I've, I just love Frank. So I think I think I'd agree with you.
0: I would say you could tell quickly too, but I, I think they quickly just wouldn't care.
1: Yeah, he'd be like, he'd be like, well, I, well just leave me alone. I want, I want to figure yeah. out.
0: <laughs> he'd be like, that doesn't have anything to do with basketball. Why are you <laughs> not speaking to me? Like, why? Yeah, He's <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I just, I have, I have no interest. <laughs> why are you telling me about that
1: thing that traumatized you when you were a kid yeah, you, know, and you just yeah, get
0: heights? Like, I don't care about right, this shit. Emmanuel,
1: like, I'm t- I got beamed up by aliens. He's like, man, I, I believe it happened. I just... It, it doesn't impact me at all
0: yeah i could not care less about this right now um i'm gonna go put up 300 more three <laughs> before uh, <laughs> If the aliens can
1: care. help me with my shot let, let me know
0: <laughs> but frank milikina i think man like he would be tight-lipped for sure and he would sit there with you like put a hand on your shoulder if it was something like harrowing you were telling him to and be like it's all right man like you're good like i i can honestly say that just from Minimal, like I had the. I, I got to, you know, cover a few Knicks games in person, got to be part of the media scrums, whatever. Frank is the one dude that just like is always like, not to say that other guys aren't like friendly to the media and stuff, but he's always just like way more like cordial and just seems so genuine. And like, he even if he's just pretending, he pretends like he enjoys the questions that you're asking him and enjoys being able to answer them. <laughs> um. You know, it doesn't seem like he's just going through the motions. So, I uh, I think it would be I think Frank might be my number one to be honest. Although I, I think that RJ and Julius would be good too. Yeah, would be cool about it.
1: I think I think after, yeah, I, I'm torn between Frank and Julius for number one because Frank I, I think he would really care. I but Julius just seems like I mean. I again I not that I ever critiqued his character but like I almost feel bad that we didn't get to know him a little bit more last year because he, he just came off as, as just an incredibly likable guy on JJ Reddick's podcast so you he, he just seemed like someone that you could I mean like just very grounded very principled um him him and Frank I agree that's a that's a strong top two in either order all right I think I think that's a pretty good note to end on I'll throw you one final question would you would you tell Tibbs your, your deepest darkest secret he
0: would be just like quickly. Yeah, he just, he would, be he just like, would
1: not care. He
0: he would just be like, "Shut the hell up!
1: That's not basketball. Let me <laughs> yeah. get back to this film." Yeah, I need to. I need to, I, need I, to, I, I need feel to like to my Tibbs impression is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go do some bench presses per uh, per yeah. PD. That's his... yeah, yes, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, like, Tibbs. Can I tell you a secret? He's like, if you let me lift, well, while, while while you share,
0: he would he would honestly he would just be there like the like you'd be telling him your your deepest darkest secrets and he'd be like. The um, like stereotypical like sitcom uninterested husband, you know, like with the wife telling him all about what happened, you know, during whatever she was doing for the day, and the husband just sitting there like uh huh uh huh uh huh, and that would that would just be tips, yeah. uh, just watching his game film and ignoring whatever it is you're saying. So I guess in that respect, I would be fine telling it to him. I just wouldn't want any uh, reciprocation. You know, if if it was something that I needed to be patted on the shoulder and told everything's going to be okay, I wouldn't want tips to be that guy.
1: Yeah. He would, if he was like really feeling it, he'd be like, all right, Alex, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. One, one time I left, I left the facility at only two in the morning because there was a, there was a TV show I wanted to go home and watch. (laughs)
0: tibs doesn't watch tv no i know know, but he'd be be like you would
1: make it up just to make you feel better and you'd be like really and he'd be like no that never happened i've never left all
0: right i'm gonna throw a free food for thought for a future if anybody made it to the end here free future food for thought a freebie if you want to ask this to us for a future mailbag what is if tibs watches one tv show what is it oh wow but we're we're not going to answer that now but maybe we'll think about it and if someone you know just wants to ask that to us feel free Uh, Uh, But yeah, sure. Yeah. Ask us, ask us a (laughs) question. anyways. Anyway. All right. This has been locked on Knicks. I hope that this uh, mailbag discussion was enjoyable enough to make you forget that that whole Bucks game just happened. Uh, So, you know, scrub that from your mind. Oklahoma city coming up on Saturday, we will be back uh, in your feeds. Uh, We're probably going to play it by ear. Maybe we will release an episode uh, Saturday evening if the Knicks really crush it uh, and it's enjoyable to talk about. Or, you know, if nothing else, we have an episode that we're recording Friday night that will be coming out on Saturday. This should be really enjoyable. I won't spoil who that's going to be with. uh, But a cool guest, a return guest that we haven't had on for a little bit to go over some stuff. And, uh, you know, then at the latest after that, we'll talk to you next Monday. So. This has been Locked on Knicks. Forget that Bucks game ever happened. Peace out.
1: Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?